It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 849 for the 15th of September, 2023. This week, being able to tell the difference between truth and lies is increasingly difficult, especially on the internet, but also with organizations that claim to be presenting facts. We can't escape bias, but we can at least try to be aware of it. In short circuits, Mouse Without Borders, a relatively new feature in Microsoft's Power Toys utilities, solves a problem you may never have encountered. For those who have experienced this problem, the solution is absolute genius. If you've ever wondered about your home's risk from flooding, wildfire, wind, or heat, the Risk Factor website can answer your questions. And 20 years ago, only on the website, in 2003, I offered what I thought was a great solution to spam. Fortunately, nobody implemented the plan. It was short-sighted in the extreme. You may already know that my political views tend toward the liberal side of things, but I'm also a believer in getting to the truth, whatever the truth may be. And as a journalist, I understand that a certain amount of skepticism is essential, no matter the source of what I may be reading, listening to, or watching. In other words, accept nothing at face value. The gold standard for skepticism is expressed in a quotation that may only be an aphorism. If your mother tells you she loves you, check it out. That may have been said by Edward Eulenberg, or it may have been said by Arnold Dornfeld. They were both editors at the City News Bureau in Chicago a long time ago. It's also possible that either of those editors may have borrowed the statement from some other reporter or editor. Or maybe the aphorism actually originated with some other person in some other location. Regardless, the meaning is the same. Never assume anything. Ever. Period. That's what appeals to me about ground news. The objective isn't to push a liberal point of view or a conservative point of view. It is to report what both sides are saying, show both sides, and attempt to determine the facts. I'd like to think that most of us, no matter our political orientation, would prefer facts to fiction. Initially, the service asks about news media and commentators you prefer. This helps it narrow in on your overall point of view so that it can suggest articles and sources you might not otherwise look at. This seems like a good idea to me because we all have more in common than we have differences. So it seems like a good start. We all suffer from confirmation bias, and we naturally tend to follow information sources that coincide with our own worldview. Confirmation bias is that tendency we all have to believe information that supports our beliefs and values. There is a general tendency to ignore contrary information. Confirmation bias can't be eliminated, but it can be reduced by practicing critical thinking. Ground News helps by presenting a range of sources. 
Media Bias Fact Check places ground media dead center on the left-right spectrum and says that it is mostly factual. That's two steps down from the top of the factual spectrum, and that happens because ground news does include articles from sources such as 4chan at the far right and the Bipartisan Report on the far left. Despite its name, Bipartisan Report does have a far-left bias and low factual reporting. 4chan on the far right also ranks very low on the factual reporting scale. No small number of lefties spread incorrect information that originates with bipartisan report, and no small number of righties spread incorrect information that originates with 4chan. If we're going to be offended by something, it would probably be better to be offended by something real, not by something that's the figment of someone's overactive imagination on either the right or the left. Organizations such as AllSides.com, AdFontas, and Media Bias Fact Check can help. They categorize information outlets based on their bias and truthfulness. Bias can't be eliminated, as I said earlier, but media outlets should strive to deliver actual, verified reports. Not all do. These three organizations try to provide some guidance. AdFontis, for example, places Tony Michaels in the loony left and Alex Jones in the ridiculous right. Neither provides much in the realm of believable information. Fox News special report with Brent Beyer, on the other hand, skews right a bit, but has a high reliability score. And The New Yorker scores about as far left and is equally believable. So sticking with sources that have high reliability and are close to the center politically is likely to provide a more realistic point of view of the world. Understanding that NPR is considered to have minimal bias and high reliability doesn't mean, though, that every story on NPR is unbiased and highly reliable. If you listen to NPR and pay close attention, you probably have heard some accounts with a strong right bias or a strong left bias. These rating systems can't account for the outliers. Because bias is inescapable, we have to accept it. What we don't have to accept, though, is hidden bias. So don't take even the media bias ratings at face value. What appeals to me about ground news is that it doesn't claim to be bias-free. Instead, it shows articles from organizations with left bias and right bias, as well as from organizations that make a very serious effort to be neutral. This summer has been the hottest on record for the Northern Hemisphere. Ground News provided 99 sources for that story. It's not like there should be any question about climate change. The question, do you believe in climate change, is the wrong question. It's not like believing in the Easter Bunny. The question should be, do you understand climate change? Fortunately, most media outlets are clear on this. It's real, and it is the result of actions by humans. Now, there can still be discussions about how best to address the problem, but at least most media seem finally not to be hiding the truth. Ground News is experimenting with artificial intelligence to review and summarize articles and provided three summaries for the heat stories, one each for news organizations with left, center, and right bias. You'll see those summaries on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week.
Ground News is available for free, but with limited functionality. There's also a basic pro option with the most essential features for $10 a year, a premium plan for $30 a year, and the Vantage plan for $70 a year. If you're interested, find full information on the Ground News website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, I've mentioned Microsoft's Power Toys several times. It's the updated version of a utility that was introduced when Windows 95 was current. After many years without much attention, the utility has been expanded well beyond recognition. One of the more recent additions is called Mouse Without Borders. It allows a single mouse and keyboard to be used on more than one computer. Now, this isn't like the physical switch that connects my mouse and keyboard either to a Windows computer or a Mac OS computer. Instead, the mouse moves from one computer to another and the keyboard is active wherever the mouse is active. Now, this may seem like a useless feature, so let me describe one use case where it has eliminated a problem that is rare, but can be frustrating. Sometimes I need to work on both a Surface Pro 6 tablet computer and my primary computer. It's not uncommon for me to turn to the tablet, work on it for a little while, and then try to use the tablet's mouse on the primary computer. Well, of course, that doesn't work. Mouse Without Borders allows one mouse to be active on, as I said, both computers. The computers do need to be adjacent to each other, or at least close enough that you can see the screens of both computers from a single location. That's because this isn't a remote control application such as Go to My PC or Arrow Admin. The beauty of Mouse Without Borders is simply that I can be in front of one computer, look at another computer, and use the mouse and keyboard from one to work on the other. Maybe you need to check the settings on one computer so you can replicate them on the other. Instead of having to move back and forth, just use the same device on both computers. Better still, it's reciprocal sharing. I can drag the main computer's mouse off the left edge of the screen and it's on the tablet. If I'm working on the tablet and using the mouse attached to the tablet, I can drag that mouse off the right edge of the tablet screen and onto the left monitor of the main computer, or off the left edge of the tablet screen and onto the right monitor of the main computer. Copy and paste also works between computers, so text or images copied from one application on one computer can be pasted into an application on the other computer. Also, drag and drop works for files. Two restrictions exist for these features. PowerToys cannot be running as administrator, and there's a limit of 100 megabytes for files that are dragged and dropped. Dragging a file from, for example, a directory on one machine to the desktop of the other machine automatically creates a mouse without borders directory on the desktop and sticks the file there. 
The process works by creating an encrypted network connection between the computers. Users generate a security key on one computer and then type that key into the connection dialog on the other computer. After creating the connection between computers, it persists through system restarts so long as PowerToys is set to start with Windows. Either computer can disable Mouse Without Borders at any time. To work, it must be enabled on both. I leave it enabled on the main computer, but disable it on the tablet, so then I can enable Mouse Without Borders by activating it in just one location. The user has control over several operating characteristics, so Mouse Without Borders can be configured to operate exactly as desired. There is a limit of four devices, which seems like way more than enough. These are positioned by default in a single horizontal line. The user can switch this to two across and two down. In the 2x2 two two format, accessing some screens would be accomplished by moving the mouse off the screen at the top or bottom instead of the left or right. When Wrap Mouse is enabled, moving left from the furthest left screen moves to the furthest right screen, and moving right from the furthest right screen moves to the left edge of the furthest left screen. Enabling Share Clipboard allows the copy-paste operations between computers, and enabling Transfer File permits the use of drag-and-drop for files up to 100 megabytes. Mouse Without Borders cannot be running with administrator privileges if you want to use either copy-and-paste or drag-and-drop. The default setting shows the mouse only on the system where it is active. Disabling Hide Mouse at Screen's Edge will display the cursor on both systems. That would probably be a bad idea for most people, but it's available as an option if you want to do it. Because the physical mouse on one machine isn't active, the screensaver may activate. By default, Block Screensaver on other machines is enabled to eliminate that behavior, but you can turn it off if you want. Block Mouse at Screen Corners is off by default. I enabled it to keep the mouse from moving to another computer when I'm using the mouse near one of the four corners of the screen. I found that with that setting off, when I accidentally moved the mouse just a bit too far, it ended up where I didn't want it. If you find that the mouse moves to the other computer's screen when you didn't intend for that to happen, you can set Easy Mouse to require pressing either Shift or Control when you want the mouse to switch computers as it passes by a screen edge. I changed that setting to require the Control key because the mouse slipped away and was sometimes a little difficult to find. However, the PowerToys Find My Mouse function still works regardless of where the mouse is. Pressing the left control key twice dims the screens and places a circular highlight around the mouse. Several infrequently used settings include one to validate the remote computer's IP address, to ensure that all computers using Mouse Without Borders are on the same subnet, to display clipboard and network status messages, and to move the mouse relatively on the other screen. That final setting could be helpful if the other computer has a significantly different screen size or resolution, or if you have multiple monitors. This is the case for me. I do have multiple monitors, and one of the screens is significantly different in resolution, but I haven't needed to use that setting. Mouse Without Borders is part of PowerToys, which can be downloaded from GitHub. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, or you might want to start on Microsoft's website to obtain further information about the component and all the other parts of PowerToys.
If you've ever wondered what the most significant risks are where you live, there's a website with some answers for you. Risk Factor is a pricey service for banks, real estate agents, and insurance companies, but homeowners can access much of the information for free. So what will climate change cost you? This is information that could be useful in reviewing home insurance plans or for those who are thinking about buying a home. The website offers a demonstration risk report for a fictional address in Florida, a property that has extreme flood, wind, and heat risks. Risk Factor shows clearly how climate change might affect your home. Let's look at a real report. I asked for a report on my home address. You'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website that I have blurred images and also some of the information. The sample report for the Florida home had three risk factors. The report for my house has four, flood, fire, wind, and heat. Flood risk is minimal. Although we live approximately seven-tenths of a mile from a river, we're not in the floodplain, and the elevation of the house is well above the floodplain. Based on this property's projected likelihood and depth of flooding reaching the building, it has a minimal flood factor, says the site. Wildfire risk is minimal, according to the site, based on this property's distance to wildfire risk areas and burnable vegetation, it has a minimal fire factor. The most serious threat is heat, which has a moderate rating, based on the current and future temperatures and humidity in the area, and at this specific location, the site says this property has a moderate heat factor. The report says a hot day in this part of Franklin County is considered to be any day with a feels-like temperature above 100 degrees Fahrenheit. This property is expected to experience seven hot days this year. Due to changing environment, this property, it says, will experience 18 hot days in 30 years. A chart shows that 30 years ago, the area where I live had two days with temperatures above 100 degrees. This year, it'll be seven days. In 30 years, that's probably going to increase to about 18. Of course, it's unlikely that I'll be alive then, so of course I don't have to worry. But people I know and care about will be, and they do. Climate change isn't the only risk we humans face, but it's one that should not be ignored or underestimated. After all, it's not just heat. Flood and fire risks are closely related to heat risks, and so is the threat of damage caused by wind. Risk Factor is clear about the science used to calculate the dangers. In describing heat risk, the website explains how it uses a spatial temperature model that shows a specific location's exposure to extreme heat events based on the surface temperature, topography, land cover, and humidity in the surrounding area. This is based on decades of peer-reviewed research and forecasts to anticipate how heat effects will change over time. The science behind it is also described in depth for each of the other threat risk assessments. Being aware of dangers doesn't eliminate them but it does allow us to anticipate future events and make plans to mitigate the problems. Visit the Risk Factor website to examine the most significant dangers in your area. There's a link to the Risk Factor website on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week. There are no risks involved in checking out 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website. In 2003, I suggested a way to eliminate spam. It might have worked, maybe, for a year or two, but it was a dumb idea, and it would have failed in the long term. 
Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session.